KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The world of forensics has really changed. Now, the main crime fighting tools are things that were science fiction fantasies not that long ago. And that involves multiple types of surveillance tools. Now, I think most people have accepted that we're being watched. But do people realize just how much we are all being surveilled all the time? What kind of tools are commonplace? How are they being used? And what could this mean for the future in both good and bad ways? To talk about this, had a conversation with Samuel Hodge Jr. He is a professor of legal studies at Temple University's Fox School of Business. He has done a lot of research and writing on this subject, and this is a fascinating conversation. Give a listen. So I guess we should start kind of the concept of forensics completely different now than it was not that long ago, huh? Yeah, it's amazing. The 21st century has really seen a dramatic change in criminal investigations. The days of uh, eyewitness identification, bite mark and hair analysis, which were the, you know, the benchmarks of criminal investigation, they're long gone. All right. And now they've been replaced with uh, video cameras, DNA, license plate readers and facial recognition software. So I guess how much are we being watched today just in our everyday life? We look at this through the prism of of uh, criminal investigation, but you don't know there's going to be an investigation and the stuff's still available. So how much are we being watched? Well, let's go back. 1984, Big Brother was watching. All right. That has turned out in the 21st century to be absolutely true. And not only are we being surveyed by police use, but also we're being surveyed in business and personal use. And we don't realize that. For instance, go outside, right? Get in your car, walk down the street. At any given time, Within a couple block radius of where you are, there's probably 20 cameras focusing on you. Today, the very first thing that the police do in a criminal investigation, they look for video cameras. And they can spot, and I've seen so many cases of it, where they can spot the culprit of a crime blocks away, follow that individual to the crime scene, follow the victim to the crime scene, have a camera that actually records it, and it's even, you can record sound. And then they can watch the person walk away, go onto the SEPTA system, and follow the person. So we're watched constantly. Now, to tell you how extensive this is, I think most people are aware of video cameras, but there's various technologies that they suspect, I suspect they're not aware of. Get in your car and drive down the street. About every block, look up at the traffic light and get a camera on that traffic light. All right. And we just totally ignore it. Well, that traffic light camera generally is an automated license plate reader. So that as you drive down the street, your license plate is being recorded. And if there's a warrant outstanding for your arrest, if you're driving a stolen car, if the police are looking for you, there's an instant message that goes out. It's a hit and it will alert the police. And they actually can read 2,000 license plates within a minute. 
just think about when you go through uh, the turnpike and no longer do you have to stop at the toll booth, right? How can you just keep going through at 50 miles an hour? It's an automatic license plate reader. So no longer do the police have to put tracking devices on your car. If I get a hit on your license plate, I can follow you around the city without you even knowing it because I get picked up or you get picked up from one light to the next light, to the next camera, to the next camera. So Big Brother is really watching. Now, another thing that's going on is there is the police are using drones, all right? At one time, we're all familiar with, we see helicopters up in the air, the police are over a scene. Well, it costs millions of dollars to operate a helicopter. 21st century technology has moved to drones. So today, the police employ a drone, all right? We're talking about sophisticated drones. The drones cost about $3,000 to operate, to buy, and also to put a really high powered camera that also gives thermal imaging is another 3,000. So for $6,000, the police can have drones in the air everywhere watching us, all right? Now, why is this kind of interesting and scary? Well, let's take it to the next step. The, uh, there's something called facial recognition technology, right? So now I have recorded you walking down the street, but I don't know who you are. You know, how many millions of people do we have? So how do I identify Matt as the person who committed the crime when I have your picture? Allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> right. Uh, but that's all I know. Well, you see, here is the next step. That image that I've captured is then fed through an algorithm. And there is a computer that looks for nodal points on your face. In other words, there's so much space between your eyes and it's relation to your eyebrows and your nose. And the computer will make an algorithm of that and run it through a database. And 50% of all adults, their pictures are in the database. So I will, by the aid of computer, if you have a driver's license, if you've ever been arrested, if you've ever been on social media, I'll find you. You're in the database. And that's how the police put it all together. So really, we are being surveilled anytime we're out in the public. Um, and it has advantages and it has its disadvantages. But let me give an analogy for you. Uh, we just had the Super Bowl. All right. So we know security is a really big concern. So I think if I ask the average person, what are the police going to do to make sure that it's safe? And I think we all know that, well, I'm going to be forced to walk through a metal detector. And uh, if it goes off, I'll be patted down. Then we know that the police are going to go around with police dogs sniffing for bombs and they're going to check. So I think that's what people think that's going on by security. But let me tell you what's going on in the 21st century with the Super Bowl. Within miles of the road that the police got on, that the individual would get on to go to the Super Bowl, automated license plate readers were in work. And they were taking images of every single car driving anywhere near the stadium. That would be fed through the computer. And they would ascertain if that license plate was registered to a terrorist, somebody that perhaps they had on a watch list, 
And then if that camera that's on every traffic light happens to peer in and get your face, not only are we looking at who's driving that car, but I'm going to get your identity because I'm going to be able to get your image as you're sitting in that car and it's going to be registered through that database. So the police are going to know within miles of you approaching that stadium, whether you pose a threat. So now you park your car, right? And you are walking up to the stadium to get in. So everybody knows you're going to walk through the medical detector. But the next thing that's going on is there will be literally tens of cameras focused on every single face in that crowd. And as you're standing in line to go through the metal, you know, to go through your ticket in the metal detector, your face is being scanned and it's going through the computer and it's checking to see who you are to see if you pose a danger. So now you've gotten through all that and you're sitting in your seat. What did the police do uh, and the FBI? Well, a couple things. They had drones in the sky. And with the stadium, they were able to get a little bit more sophisticated. They also had the satellites. Uh, so not only do you have the police that had all these video cameras watching the crowds, but also you had all this other technology going on. So you probably were visualized 10 to 20 times before you even walked into that stadium. All right. That is Big Brother watching you today. And that's what's going on. And most people don't know it. But it's there to protect us. And it's interesting that we've gotten to this level in a country that loved to, to, to scream about the idea of, of personal privacy. Yes. How, how did we get to this point? Forensics and police investigation has advanced based on science. And as science advances, police technology advances. And what happens, these, tech, these technologies raise issues, all right? One of the biggest ones would be our constitutional rights. So I, I have, the under the Fourth Amendment, I have the protection against unreasonable search and seizures. You know, so are these surveillances and videos a search and seizure that's going on? Well, most of the courts have said no because I am in a public place. My car is driving down the street. It's in the public. I'm walking down a sidewalk. I'm in public view. And the law said, the law is, do I have a reasonable expectation of privacy? And if I'm out in the public, I don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in most cases. And that's how this technology has flourished. And I guess, are we expected to believe that once we're in our house or even in our car that we're not being subjected to a, to some level of this. I, I believe that most people, if you ask them, have no idea of those cameras on traffic lights. We got, we drive by them constantly. We know about red light cameras because it's advertised, but I'm telling you drive down the street and you will see many streets on top of the light. They'll have a pole sticking up with a camera on it. And we just ignore it. But our license plate is being read. You know, and perhaps that camera can also visualize into the car. And uh, it's out in the public. We just don't know what's going on. And it is. 
we're talking about police use with digital technology, but I'd like to just jump over for a second to private use because it's going on too and we don't realize it. So you walk into a store. I was in the supermarket the other day. Over every aisle in that supermarket, there was a camera. At every checkout line, there was a camera. I go into a mall, there's cameras everywhere. I go into casinos, there are multiple cameras watching everything I'm doing. So there have been cases where people under the proper age, they hit on the jackpot and then the casino won't give them the money. All right. Why? Because they're underage. How'd they find out? Because there was a camera on every machine in that thing. But let me tell you where it's going to go. And it's already gone there. I go on. A, I went on a cruise last year and I walked into the dining room. And as I walk into the dining room, the maitre d' says to me, hello, Mr. Hodge. He never saw me before in his life. And I said to him, how did you know my name? He responded to me, oh, we memorize the passenger's name before they come on board. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, right, right. You're going to memorize hundreds and hundreds of people's names that you're going to identify. You know what was going on? The casino, the cruise line employed digital facial recognition technology. So they're greeting their customers when they come in because it makes us feel special. I go into a restaurant. I go into a Friday's, all right? Never been in there before. I've been in other Fridays, but I didn't go to this Friday. I walk and I sit down and the waiter comes over to me and says, oh, hello, Mr. Hodge, do you want a Diet Coke? And I go, huh? How do you know I want a Diet Coke? Well, you know why? Because the store has taken over the times that I've frequented that restaurant or that business establishment, they've taken my image so they know who I am and the computer monitors what I've ordered. So now the waiter comes over to me and knows that I drink Diet Coke, All right? This is what's going on and it's amazing technology, but I'll tell you something that's even getting more sophisticated. How about this one? Microsoft has developed a billboard I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden the cologne I wear pops up on the billboard. How did they, how did that happen? You know how it happened? Because billboards are now attached to facial recognition software and it then goes into the computer database. And as soon as I'm approaching, it knows my shopping habits and it places it on the screen. And now I have a personal ad that is just catered to me. That's where we are in the 21st century. So I have a question, or maybe it's multiple questions, surrounding the insurrection on January 6th. I guess I want to talk about what we're seeing from a forensic uh, facial recognition, how they're, they're finding people through that. But first, given what you just said, and given how the Super Bowl was protected and all these boxes that had to be checked and, you know... I guess my question is, how in the world does January 6th happen in a place like the U.S. Capitol when we're, it seems like we have all these fail-safes in place that we don't even know about? Well, I think the evidence so far, from what I understand, it, it was a monumental collapse in security. That one, there was a, the Maryland 
Maryland governor requested the National Guard to be brought out. That wasn't acted upon. And uh, it was just a monumental breakdown that has happened in security. So that was what, you know, why we weren't more prepared for it. But let's now take it a step further. So we know what happened. Thousands of people rushed to the Capitol and people got in. But there was nobody getting arrested. They didn't arrest anybody right on the scene. How is it now that so many people are getting arrested? Well, one thing that happens is that there were cameras everywhere. So the cameras have started to identify people. All right. But even before that, some of the people that broke in were their worst enemies. They took videos. And what did they do? They posted it on social media. So the police went to social media and they got it and they identified the people. Second, we see people on TV. I recognize that person wearing that hat of the animal on his head. I call the police and I tell them who they are. But the other thing that happened is two things. For those that weren't identified by people calling in, or on social media. There were two things that have apprehended people. One is facial recognition technology that I told you about. There were hundreds of cameras all around the Capitol and they captured the people going in. And those images have been analyzed. And if you, again, if you ever, if you have a driver's license, you've been in the military, you have an arrest record or you were in social media, your picture is in the government database so that the government just runs it through their computer. I look at your face, I analyze it through a computer and it identifies you, all right? That's one way I got. Here's another way that nobody really knows about, tattoo recognition. A number of the people that were apprehended had tattoos on their arms. The government, the police had databases of marks and tattoos. And what they did is they ran the tattoos through the database and they apprehended people. So these, the, you know, people think that they're anonymous because they weren't arrested at the scene, but they're in for a big surprise because they've been captured by all these tech, digital technology that we have in the 21st century. I guess was there, you know, you talked about everything and kind of to follow up on my previous question, I guess I'm just curious, like, is none of the tracking going on before the Capitol is breached? And I don't know if you know, but I guess my point is like, you talk about all this stuff we could do the Super Bowl to make sure no bad people get in. Is this stuff not in place around the U.S. Capitol? So, I mean, not that they could stop the whole thing, but certain people would really raise a red flag like, yeah, this person shouldn't be here. It, it was. All right? And I believe that they did know that certain people – from the ultra right were present, all right? But they were powerless because they didn't have enough people in place at the time. You know, my understanding, they didn't have enough guards and national guards and police in place to prevent that. Nobody knew that they were gonna storm the Capitol initially. Everybody was at the rally. It's only when they went to storm the Capitol that it got out of control. And by that time it was too late. They didn't have the proper personnel in place. So yes, they were monitoring who was there, but peaceful assembly. You're allowed to be there. I can't stop you from going to a demonstration, but it's only when that demonstration turns violent that it becomes a problem. And by that time it was too late. 
So what's next in the area of forensics? What are some uh, things you think that are coming uh, down the pike that we should be looking for? They're already here. People just don't know about it. DNA. DNA came about in the late 1980s, and it revolutionized not only police practice, but all aspects of life. All right. So everybody knows about DNA and how DNA has set people free and also has convicted people because I can link you to that evidence. The problem with DNA is traditionally it will take a couple months to get the results back. All right. So there is a new development. And again, I'm talking about new developments for you. There is a new development. It's called rapid DNA. And the police are using it right now. It's not being widely used because it's so expensive. But within an hour or two, now the police with this new device can automatically, it's all automated, can tell me who you are, can now analyze your DNA. So rapid DNA is something that's emerging on the scene. The second thing that has to do with DNA, there's two developments. One is familial DNA. Now, DNA is only as good as a database, all right? So if I have your DNA at the crime scene, but you are not in the database, your DNA, I'm not going to be able to match you up. I won't be able to get you because you've never been arrested before, all right? Or you don't have anything where your DNA has been stored. So even though I have your DNA, there's nothing I can do, all right? So there is a new development. It's called familial DNA. And where this came into play is recently in California, we had the Golden State Killer was apprehended after 20-some years. So what happens is uh, so many of us, oh, for instance, I did 23andMe. I wanted to see where I'm from, where my relatives were from. Many people have done that. The way they got the Golden State Killer, they checked the DNA bases and found a relative who matched the DNA at the crime scene. And then what they did is by process of elimination, they went from that relative, you know, it could have been a, an uncle, it could have been a grandchild, and they were able to go back and apprehend the Golden State Killer. All right, so that's the first thing they're doing now is I don't have to have your DNA. If anybody has DNA that is a relative of you, it's going to help me track you down. The second development is called phenotyping. Right? It's kind of a fancy word, but what does it mean? Well, here's what's going on with phenotyping. I have your DNA, but that's all I have. Through your DNA, though, I can run it through and find out that you have brown hair and that you were born in Eastern Europe. And because you were born in Eastern Europe, you're going to have a pronounced forehead. And most likely, you're going to have brown eyes. So the next thing that's happening is just on a DNA with nothing else, they're actually making portraits of what they think the suspect is looking like. Okay, And that's phenotyping, where they'll actually make your portrait based upon your DNA. Wow. Right? And there, they are three new developments that are 
you know, being investigated right now. So most of this stuff we've talked about and it has been utilized, you could argue the merits, but for the most part, utilized for good. Getting people who have committed crimes, things like that. What are your yeah. concerns of how this could go wrong? This type of yeah. of uh, surveillance, you know, what what do you worry that could realistically happen that would not be so nice? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a story with this technology I'm telling you about with license plate readers and video of the police in Detroit. And they found that certain of the police officers were using the technology to follow women down the street. Then some of them were following girlfriends and wives. So they were using the digital technology for their personal reasons and invading people's lives that had committed no crime whatsoever. All right. Uh, other things that they'll use it for, uh, the, the worry is that, that it will infringe upon First Amendment so that I'll start surveilling people at political rallies where it should be protected by First Amendment freedom of speech. And I'll identify everybody at a political rally. License plate readers, totally innocent. The data doesn't make a distinction as you're driving your car down the road, whether you, you've done something wrong, but your data is being stored in the computer. And I can then go and build the profile for where Matt Leon has been over the past month. All right. Now, you've not done anything wrong, but I can track your movements if you've used a car. Is that fair? Is that right? So there's some of the issues that are arising. Now, I'll tell you one that uh, kind of has backfired in the private use. And it involves Facebook. Uh, and there was a little news about it. So some of the states are now starting to pass laws on this digital technology, like the facial recognition software. In the private use, there's a couple states that have passed laws, one of which is Illinois. And Illinois passed a law called the Biometric Information Privacy Act. And what this requires is that if I'm a private entity and I'm going to store your photograph, you know, who you are, I have to get your permission. So here's the story of what happens. You go on Facebook and, you know, you have friends and Facebook can match up who your friends are. And they even suggest, you know, to you people that know your friends and you have connections. So Facebook has something called tag suggestions. And what that allowed to do is to, with your implied permission, if you gave your permission, it allowed Facebook to tag your friends and store the pictures of, the, of your friends with Matt Leon. So I could go in and find out who all your friends are. So there was a lawsuit that was filed. It's one of a number of lawsuits against Facebook claiming that this was an invasion of privacy and that it violated this Biometric Information Privacy Act because Facebook never got anybody's permission to do this tagging, right? So the litigation was going on for several years and just last year, the case was proceeding to trial and a settlement was made, all right? And there are statutory damages. So if the law under this law from Illinois, 
if you did this, damages were automatic. They were statutory. All right. I didn't have, you didn't have to, Matt, you didn't have to go out and prove that you were harmed by this. Facebook, and as a result of this class action lawsuit, was required to pay $500 million in a lawsuit settlement. All right. And the case is called Patel versus Facebook. So this is one of the first cases where, you know, things that have gotten out of control when there's a law is going to start protecting us without our permission that our information is being shared. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 